Good morning, everyone, this ooh, chilly Saturday morning. This is Pam McElveen, your host of The Inclusive Voice. Um, you know, I am excited on a, a couple fronts. One, we are celebrating Black History Month. Um, unfortunately, once again, on the heels of trauma. You know, the loss of Tyree Nichols, well, the murder actually is it's what's being touted and the continued existence of systemic racism and what's happening within our police re police force and communities is not the way I wanted to lean into black history this year. But here we are again. And so I will tell you that is why it's so important for me today and our team to look at ways of healing to look at how we can be in a place where we we can dismiss or not dismiss but let's say um, marginalize the trauma that's in our life um, to, to be honest with you I can't believe that I actually have been asked to speak at a lot of different sessions uh, in the last year and this year around wellness and trauma. And I am not a clinical professional. I might be a master certified coach and host of the radio show and uh, publisher, but I am not a therapist. And I think it just comes from my ability to have talked to many, many people and experts that focus and spend time and actually I have actually included and implemented practices for my own mental wellness and my own self-care. And I talk about it and we've done research on it so that we're able to bring forward some current practices. So today, instead of you know really focusing on what we know within this culture of, of trauma and different levels of systemic racism that is manifested and how it shows up, Instead of spending time on that, we want to spend time on talking about how to self-care, what we can do in the moment to, to bring ourselves back to resetting and to healing and to leverage, you know, what we have control of, our bodies. And so with that, I'm really excited and, and we're going to come back and meet Z Clark. Harvard MBA and author of Black People Breathe and the expert in holistic healing. And even though her the title of her book, Black People Breathe, is uh, is is for one group, really anyone can benefit from what she's going to share. But we know within the black and brown communities, mental health is in crisis. We know that we have to do something to accelerate healing and wellness and we want to bring forward as much as we can to share with others and what we have to do so with that we're going to take a, a break as i've always said go grab your coffee go and sit down in your favorite chair and let's learn today hear some of the wisdom that's going to be brought to us today by author z clark hearing what um, she has to share with us so we'll be right back with you right after this commercial break. The world is embracing a remote, globalized, and diverse workforce. Is your organization prepared when it comes to understanding all the nuances of diversity? Diversity MBA can help. From an industry-leading journal and web publication highlighting professionals and best practices, to boot camps and conferences featuring noted and accomplished speakers, Diversity MBA is a driving force in diversity, equity, and inclusion education. Check out diversitymbamagazine.com and take the first step towards transforming your organization. Oh, welcome back, everyone. I'm, this is Pam McElvain, your host of The Inclusive Voice. And I have with me Z Clark, author of Black People Breathe, an expert in holistic healing. Good morning, Z. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing so well. So nice to be here with you today. Oh, awesome to have you. So where are you calling in from? I live in Taos, New Mexico, um, which is in northern New Mexico. And you know how a lot of people did those COVID moves? That's what happened to yes. me. I found <laughs> that I have healing in nature. <laughs> 
you know what? I'm with you right there. I can't wait to learn more about that. But um, so what's the weather there? What's the weather like in New Mexico right now? Well, where I am in the mountains, it is very, very cold, but it is also sunny. So there is snow on the ground, but it is sunny and beautiful. Oh, my God. You're in the mountains. I know that's beautiful. Oh, my goodness. I'm a, I'm yes. a bit jealous. I'm going to try not to be <laughs> I'm a bit jealous. You can come so, visit. You can come visit. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. You know what? You shouldn't have gone there because now I'm going to take that invitation and do that. You know, um, you know, I, I love opening when we go into a new cultural month, Z, and we're talking about you know, it's either civil rights or Black History or Women's International Month or you know, uh, or, or, or Mexican Independence. You know, all these different cultural isms. I love that, but you know, it really continues to stress me out when we lean into a new cultural month, a cultural celebration with another trauma, and, and it's almost Ooh. like. You know, it's trauma is just there. We're just in this this culture of it, and it's just there. And so I just I'm just saddened that um, we are here in the height of Black History Month um, with the with the the loss of Tyree Nichols. But having you brings joy <laughs> to me because you're going to be able to help us lean into how we can can handle um always be in this space but before we get yeah. started um share share a little bit with me with us about you know you know where you grew up and um i know you're a harvard mba i'm a berkeley mba but you know somebody had to go to harvard so <laughs> <laughs> I won't, I won't hold it against you, but, you know, share us a little bit about your background. Where did you grow up and, and what were your first thoughts before, you know, did you always want to go into holistic healing? Um, share with us a bit about. Yeah. Well, I grew up in Washington, D.C., um, also known as the Chocolate City. And I grew up in a low-income, predominantly black neighborhood in D.C., and I went to a very wealthy private school in the suburbs. Now, I was not wealthy. I was on scholarship. But I bring this up to say that the first time I really experienced being treated differently and feeling like I didn't belong was when I was eight years old on the first day of school. That is also the first time I understood the reason why we must code switch because I was treated differently the way my life at home was so different than my life at school. And so I share this to say that that theme kind of spreads throughout my life. I went to Harvard for undergrad. I studied economics. I worked in financial services, Citigroup, American Express. I went back to Harvard for business school. And then I moved to the Bay Area and I worked in Silicon Valley. I did management consulting at Bain where I consulted for tech companies. And then I moved into the industry and worked at various tech companies, big ones like Yahoo, smaller startups, and everything in between. And during that period, I was the only the only woman sometimes in the room, the only black person, yes. sometimes the only black woman at the entire company. And that comes with a lot of microaggressions. That comes with constantly feeling like I need to prove that I deserve <laughs> to be there. You know what I mean? Yes. Have you had that experience? Yes. Yes, yes I'm sorry. I'm in this happened. background just witnessing. Go ahead. <laughs> What happened to me was burnout because I was sprinting and sprinting and, and feeling like I wasn't going anywhere. I was banging my head on not the glass ceiling, but the concrete ceiling for people that look like me because it just didn't feel like it could ever be broken. And so I was working nights. I was working weekends. I was not taking care of myself. I wasn't sleeping. I had constant anxiety. And at a certain point, my doctors were like, something's got to change. And so I took that to heart because I was not okay. 
So I quit my job and I went to India. And I joked that I did the black girl version of eat, pray, love. I was meditating. I love it. I, oh my God, I love it. Yes. I was doing all those things so that I could feel better. Yes. Yes. I had never you, felt so good in my entire life. No, I mean, you know, and India does that to you. Just, so just sometimes just being in a, just being on the, um, on the on the on the land, you know, going across the transatlantic and just, you know, physically, you know, being on another continent will do that to you. Um, that's incredible. I mean, and, and my goodness, that your journey took you there. I mean, I find that amazing that you were this um, very very you know senior executive that I can relate to. That was the only one on multiple levels. And not only the cement ceiling, they now, you know, it's a glass cliff, like right, right, right when they get you there, where you just, you fall yeah. off and you're there to fail. So this is, um, what an incredible story that so many women of color can relate to. So we're going to, you know, take a few seconds and um, uh, sit back and lean back and kind of digest this incredible journey that you've that you've um, embarked. And uh, we'll be right back after this commercial break and hear more from Z Clark because she really has some incredible insights to share with us. From emails that get no response to improper billing and shipping to inventory mistakes, waste can be an expansive, encompassing problem. With a track record of success that includes over $7 billion in successful projects, Bold Business has been helping clients over two decades. Whether you seek to enhance the performance of current anti-waste and waste initiatives, reduce reputational damage in the face of heightened public scrutiny, or simply safeguard cost efficiency, Bold Business has the answers. Check out boldbusiness.com for more information. Hey guys, uh, thank you for staying tuned with us. And I hope those of you that are just now joining us know I have our guest, Z Clark. She's the author of Black People Breathe and an expert in holistic healing. She was just sharing us with her story and how she moved into, um, leaned into holistic healing and discovered and self-discovery. So Z, um, just picking up where we were. So India. <laughs> so from the corporate yeah. world, Harvard MBA, uh, changing, you know, life within uh, Silicon Valley. And by the way, I'm from California, too. So I, I, I remember oh. when they were building Silicon Valley. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> that's another story. But but to India. So you get to India and, and I love the way you said it. <laughs> you did it the old girl school style. I love that. So share with us what was next. Yeah. So in India, that's where I learned yoga. That's where I got deep into my mindfulness practice. And that's when I learned breath work. So the idea that you can control how you feel based on how you breathe, if you breathe intentionally. And so I had never felt so good in my entire life. Like my entire life was constant stress that I didn't even realize since I was eight years old. And so when I got back, I was like, wow, this is crazy. Like people need to know this. And I realized that these tools were much more impactful outside of the yoga studio and in the context of everyday life. And so when I did go back into corporate America, when I started experiencing microaggressions, I knew to do my breathing techniques so that I could calm my nervous system and not respond to colleagues from a triggered, emotionally charged place. And so whether it's sitting in traffic, whether it's, uh, you know, I need confidence in a meeting, right? I use these breathing practices that I learned in India. So, yeah, that's kind of, that's how I got into it. And you know what? And that's real. I actually spent a year um, learning breathing techniques, how to manage being in a fight or flight state, really 
being able to control through meditation and and breathing my my own body and that's huge it's significant and i will tell you uh z in today's world i've come to this i've come to this conclusion that in this world with zoom and and teams and google hangouts and all of these ways to to fill up filler time we no longer have that space during our work day to step away unless we create it unless we own it and we're intentional about making it happen but even when we do that we still kind of don't own it just because of the pace of the day so i think the work that you're doing um, and companies are slowly beginning to recognize that this is something that has to be, become a part of their culture for physical well-being, for mental health well-being, in addition to psychological safety and trust. Um, what do you think? What do you yeah. think about that? I completely agree with you, and I think that many companies are starting to prioritize well-being overall, right? And they might even have roles that have the title well-being in it. But I will tell you that a lot of companies are still in the earlier stages, I'll say, of prioritizing the mental health of their black and brown employees. And that's the word. Oh, honey, you said earlier stages? Oh, you nice. I know. You said early stages? Oh, come on. There's a few of them in the early stages, and the rest of them still don't have a clue. I mean, I mean, I hate to tell you about the other other side of the house, but yeah, they, we just don't. If we had a clue, we treat people better, right? We treat our assets better if they actually believe mental health and you know, whatever. I agree with you. It's interesting when I have conversations with companies and I, when I speak to some of the folks that work in diversity, equity and inclusion, um, if they are not a person of color and I tell them about the experiences of people of color in the workplace, they, they look at me like, no, our black people are fine. Then I, I talk to the heads of the black employee resource group at the same yeah. companies and they are like, we are struggling. We need help. There are so many problems because of the stresses of microaggressions, because we can't get promoted, because we don't have mentors and sponsors. We are getting ignored. So there is a disconnect. Major. You're so right. There's such a major disconnect. Um, that exists, and and that's you know why I really like the inclusive voice. Just just for clarity, um, for our audience, employee resource groups are the if you want to call them, a like kind people by ethnicity or by identity. If they're a veteran or LGBTQIA plus person, non-binary, they could be also, you know, young professionals. They come together within organizations to drive change. So they're like the change agent groups that bring up policy, that bring up disconnects, that bring real issues as a collective group to their leadership. So this, this, the, this group of employee resources that has now become a staple within the workforce of corporate America and large organizations, they exist for the purpose of driving change. And so that's what Z was talking about when she, you know, they have the Hispanic resource group. They have all these different ones and she goes and she talks to them and they say, oh, my black people are okay, but let me go talk to them. That's a different thing. So. I, you know, that leads me to your book. I mean, my goodness, just the title itself, you know, Black People Breathe. <laughs> um, it is, that is just such an incredible, powerful, um, I think, way to introduce your work. Um, so, you know, take a few moments, if you don't mind. We're going to talk a lot more about it. But, you know, share a little bit about um, what got you to this title. What made you think about wanting to write a book on um, yeah on, on breathing techniques? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, honestly, I was so tired of hearing I can't breathe. I I can't breathe was everywhere, and you know what? Every time I heard about or witnessed the assault on a black life, I stopped breathing. And like the moment that I would hear the news or see something, 
I literally would stop breathing. And then I would remember, oh, I need to breathe to feel better, right? And so the title, Black People Breathe, came from the fact that so many of us can't breathe because either we are being attacked physically or emotionally through interactions with folks in the workplace and in life. And what I realized through my travels and my training is that the breath can really help all of us especially black people, because research shows that now our higher rates of high blood pressure, of heart disease are a direct result of microaggressions, discrimination, and racism. We are constantly experiencing these, and that leads us to have chronic stress. And when I looked at the symptoms of chronic stress, yes, there was high blood pressure and heart disease, But there were also things like anxiety, depression, overeating, accelerated aging. Dr. Martin Luther King was 39 when he passed, but an autopsy said that he had a heart of a 60-year-old. So while many of us are dying at the hands of the police, the rest of us are slowly dying, death by a thousand cuts, because of these constant little things that seem little at the time, but they add up to something big which ultimately affects our health and mindfulness and breath work research shows helps with the same symptoms that we experience because of racism. Wow. And so what, what is exactly, I mean, that's, that's great to hear. I mean, everything you talked about would inspire anyone to, to be able to, to share, you know, what, I, what you're saying. And I clearly can relate at all levels to, to what you just expressed. So what is exactly breath work? I mean, what, what is that? What does that mean? What does that look like? Yep. Breathwork means breathing with intention. And now the simplest form is just taking a deep breath, but with intention, like I am intentionally taking a deep breath now. But there are various breathing techniques based on how you're feeling. I describe it like medicine, the breath as medicine. So when you have a headache, you take some Advil. If you have um, you know, allergies, you take antihistamines. Similarly, there are different breathing techniques based on how you're feeling. Some of them are breathing fast. Some of them are breathing slow. Some of them are holding your breath. And all of those things can help you based on any challenging emotions that you might be experiencing at the moment. Oh, wow. So I was, while you were talking, I was doing a few different, you know, breath techniques. Well, there's the one that you um, hold, take in your breath, hold it in for three seconds, and then take as long as you can if you can blow the air out in 10 seconds. Do that one. Then I was doing some quick ones, some quick hoo hoos, and because I had a little bit in my shoulder. And uh, I was like, ooh, okay, so I can't wait to, you know put all my sticky notes on your books. <laughs> so oh, I have all what? these places. One thing that you said that I want to highlight is you said you noticed something in your shoulders, so you started to do some breathing. And that's mindfulness. So mindfulness uh, means paying attention, paying attention to what is happening in the present moment without judgment. So you paid attention uh, to the fact that there was something in your shoulder. And then, and you know what? That's just stress, right? I like to say the issues are in the tissues. That means <laughs> something happens and your shoulders go up. Or you feel like you got yes. in the stomach. Or you have that, yes. that slump in your throat, right? Those are the moments that you got to breathe. Wow. Well, you know, let me just be honest and say that talking to you right now in this moment is definitely making me mindful of, of my body. But how about people, you know, that are not familiar, you know, with these methods? 
And, you know, when you are in front of groups that you want to introduce, you know, these techniques to, you know, what, are, what and I love the way you said, you know, if you've got a headache, you go get some Advil, you know, you're in pain, you go yeah. get some ibuprofen. So how do you, um, you know, how do you approach that with folks that are just totally unfamiliar with mindfulness, you know, breath work or just paying attention to their bodies? Yeah, you know, people might not pay attention to their bodies, but you know what everyone pays attention to because you can't help it? How you feel, right? And so even one of the practices, I, I'm a strong believer in morning and evening routines, and in my book, Black People Breathe, particularly around self-care, I encourage folks to be intentional about morning and evening routines. And one of my recommendations for a morning routine is when you wake up every day, to do a daily check-in and ask yourself, how are you doing? I like to use the third person because it allows some separation from the ego so that you don't start judging yourself. So I'll say, good morning, Z. How are you doing? Right? And then I can answer that question, right? Like, am I tired? Am I, um, am I happy? Am I upset? Right? Am I, am I energetic? Right? What is the feeling? And based on that feeling, everybody knows how they're feeling. I mean, even right now, everybody listening, pause and ask yourself, how am I feeling right now? And then that answer can guide you around what you might be, need to do. And, and the second thing is, all right, let's say that you were stressed. Your answer is, I'm stressed. Then you can say, where in the body am I feeling my stress? And earlier, you just said shoulders. For me, it's always in my shoulders. But often, if it's something hard, challenging happens, it's in my chest. I feel a tightness in my chest. But we're all different. So it's paying attention to how you're feeling. That's what it's about. It's not about breathwork and mindfulness. I mean, granted, paying attention is an example of mindfulness. But sometimes those words can get intimidating. Sometimes people think that they might be woo-woo. That's not for me. But what you do know is how you're feeling. And when you are not feeling well, I am sure that you want to feel better. And that's where some of these breathing techniques can come in and help you. Oh, yeah, that's good. That's good. So I love that in the morning. And, you know, now you just you've just kind of structured my morning for me because I do pay attention to, you know, how do I feel in the morning? I know if I feel rested or if I'm feeling tired and I'm trying to understand why and what I need to do around that. And so how about that evening routine? What what, yeah. what, what do you do routine. in the evening? Yeah. You know, one of the biggest things that I do is I put my phone in another room. Just put it in another room. I had to buy an alarm clock. I did. I did. But having the phone in your bedroom, like looking at the, you know, there's studies that show that screen time uh, right before sleep is bad for your sleep, um, but also can just be very distracting and encouraging you to do things that you probably shouldn't be doing right now. So for evening routines, I recommend phone out of the room and on do not disturb or airplane mode or sleep mode. Um, I recommend yeah. folks go to sleep at the same time because something about that routine is then very helpful for your sleep quality and your energy level. Um, I also encourage folks to do one thing that you love. One thing that you love. Forget yourself from joy. For me, it's taking a like long, luxurious bubble bath, right? Just like yes. a tub, a candle, nobody bothers, play yeah. some peaceful music. Um, yeah. And then another recommendation is around gratitude. There's a lot of research yes. that shows that gratitude is amazing for your mental health, and it doesn't need to take long. I have a journal next to my bed, and I write down three things that I'm grateful for. It could be something yes. as simple as the sun, the moon, and my mother, right? But just taking the couple seconds to write down the three things can be hugely powerful for your overall well-being. Oh my goodness! No wonder people tell me that I don't look. I don't look like my age. I could check off all of them. <laughs> and you know what? Yeah, you know the home offices that we have. I leave my cell phone in that office. 
<laughs> let it charge in a whole nother level wing of the house. And you know what? Sleeping at the same time, you know, we did that with our children. Why not <laughs> do it with ourselves, yeah. right? And, you know, there is uh, this women's retreat I attended that talked about self-interest. I love the, the way you said, do, do at least one thing you love, because we tend to feel guilty about having self-interest for mm. self-care. And if we don't mm. self-care, right, if we don't have self-interest enough to take care of ourselves, then we can't care for mm. anyone else. And so this was some of the wisdom sharing that has. And my gratitude journal, sister, I'm on my second one, because, you know, if I, if, yeah. I, if, I to, if I have to keep writing, I can't even write down. Sometimes I can't even stop. I said, OK, just let's just do a couple things each day. But you're absolutely right. And then go back and read it. I've gone back and looked at my journal. 15 years ago, just amazing to, to, to remember, to reflect on where we are so that in the midst of trauma, we can be thankful. Yes, yes. You know, I, I wanted to respond to one thing that you said about us not prioritizing ourselves and maybe use the word self-interest. And I want to share a mantra that has been so powerful for me. Um, especially as a black woman, we are always taking care of other people, um, whether it's at home, right, and maybe taking on some of that invisible labor, you know, in household chores, but also in the workplace. I mean, I have often been asked to do extra things that had nothing to do with my job responsibilities. Like, you know, my job, let's say earlier in my career was around data analysis, yet I was asked to order coffee and lunch. And so the mantra that I'd like to share with folks is this, today I choose me. Because it's so easy to prioritize other people, your children, your spouse, your boss, your coworker. But if, you know, they say on the airplane, put your mask on first before you help other people, that's how one should approach their self-care. Because if you do not take care of yourself, if you do not choose you, you will not be able to help other people. Oh, this is good. You're, oh my goodness, this is so good. I love it. I'm, I'm adopting it. I love it. So where can people go um, to, now I know, we know there's good old Amazon, where they can definitely find your book on Amazon, but where can they go, Z, to find more information about you? Yeah, and your well, work? you can go to my website, zclark.com that's z-e-e-c-l-a-r-k-e.com where you can learn more about the work that i do with companies um, to train their black and brown employees you can learn more about my sound baths i am a sound healer with tibetan singing bowls which is a very unique way to get into a peaceful state to release all of the stress so zclark.com um, I also have a YouTube channel with guided breathing practices, um, also Z Clark. So yeah, excited to connect. Oh, awesome. So we're going to take a, a commercial break. And then when you come back, I want to talk about that last technique you just mentioned. So stay tuned with us. Oh, my goodness. I'm I'm just relaxed talking to Z Clark. So I encourage you guys to, to join in and stay with us as we hear more from the Inclusive Voice and from Z Clark. We'll be right back with you after this commercial break. Everyone's talking about diversity, equity and inclusion. Let Diversity MBA Media bring you up to speed on the discussion. With benchmarking services that help enterprises gauge and expand the diversity of their workforces, to fresh, insightful, deep dive articles on the Diversity MBA website, CEO Pam Micklevane leverages years of experience and some of the foremost thought leaders on diversity, equity, and inclusion to spread the DEI message and curate content that educates and enlightens. In addition, Diversity MBA Media hosts annual conferences that bring together speakers from all across the DEI spectrum, with thousands of virtual attendees learning industry best practices from a wide range of perspectives. Check out Diversity MBA Media, join the diversity, equity, and inclusion movement, and be a part of the discussion. www.diversitymbamagazine.com 
Oh, welcome back. I'm your host, Pam McElvain, the inclusive voice here with our guest, author Z. Clark of Black People Breathe and an expert in holistic healing. If you want to learn more, go to Z-E-E Clark, C-L-A-R-K-E dot com. ZClark.com, beautiful site, easy access to lots of different types of resources on breathing. Also, YouTube channels to learn how to, to breathe with you, to practice. So, Z Clark is full of information and resources. So, Z, um, right before we left, you talked about sound healing. That sounds so fascinating to me. Tell me more. Yes. Well, I discovered this in India, particularly with Tibetan singing bowls. So sound healing, or some people refer to it as a sound bath, is a meditative experience where you lie down and you immerse yourself in the vibrations of these powerful bowls. And so these Tibetan singing bowls that I have were made by hand by Tibetan monks. And as they were making them, they were chanting prayers of healing to infuse healing powers into these bowls. And now this has been done for thousands of years, but only recently has Western medicine research started to look at this. And now they're starting to see that it reduces stress and anxiety, that it strengthens your immune system, it lowers your blood pressure, it allows you to get in the zone. And one of my favorite benefits is sometimes during a sound healing session, I'll get like a creative download. And it's because when you are there in this state, you're connected to your subconscious right? You're connected to your higher self, that part of you that's not always like fully here, but that's where the creativity comes. That's where the ideas come. Like, I don't know if you've ever maybe been in the shower and then you have this like aha moment. It's a way to get to those aha moments because you are in a very relaxed state. So yeah, sound healing with Tibetan singing bowls. I do a monthly virtual one, um, which okay. you can find out um, on my website. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So is that is the monthly virtual one? Uh, is that one people can sign up on? They can sign up for. You yeah, know the you date when you do that. It's the last Tuesday of every month, usually. Every month, last okay. Tuesday. And you can go to my website, zclark.com, and, and find out more information there and sign up. That's awesome. So I, so I didn't realize, you know, that I was kind of doing some sound healing, you know, until you kind of just brought this to me. So I have this, you know, my husband, you know, he's, he's into finding stuff all over YouTube. So he, he reads thousands of books so there's this um so there's this yoga move you want to talk about you you know the one where you lay with your back flat on the um on the floor or mat or whatever and you have yeah. your legs up against the wall and just straight up yes. and all the benefits that can bring for 20 minutes so i do that every yes. day and then for 20 minutes and then i i have beautiful chorus which is this incredible um chanting of women that are singing in a very low um spiritual yes. way that, that that meditates you and then um from one of these youtube doctors where you can just do these point uh relaxations it's like um acupuncture but with your fingers and where you touch certain parts oh. of your face and stuff all of this in 20 minutes and there used to be a time, mm. I'm going to tell you, that I would take a melatonin just so I could have a deep sleep. Mm. I no longer do. Mm. Just mm. that for 20 minutes. Didn't know I was doing all these great techniques that you talked about. Just pulling some basic things together literally took me to another level. So that brings me to, wow. to, to the yoga work that you do. Uh-oh. I'm hearing you saying that, uh oh, sounds like I'm, and this is me, like this basic practitioner, beginner learning these things and hearing you respond. So I'm excited to even learn more. But your work also embodies yoga. And, you know, and people, and the reason I shared that one technique, um, because anybody can do it. And I think yoga, believe it or not, I think yoga is intimidating because when you see who does mm. yoga and all the commercials mm. and everything, 
people don't want it. They're like, I'm not doing that. I can't, I can't do that. So they don't even, they don't even go and look at it towards healing. And the only reason I didn't do it, because I was always bored with it and said, I don't want to stretch 45 minutes. That's too long. And now (laughs) to sit here (laughs) and do all these benefits that just laying, you know, laying flat and having your legs up and, and all the benefits that come with that. And it's easy because it's now meditation. But talk to us about demystify yoga for us. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, I first want to just reiterate your comment around the media and how yoga is portrayed, because I used to think that maybe yoga wasn't for me because I never saw people that looked like me practicing, especially in the marketing. But here's the thing. Yoga actually was created by people of color, not in this country, right? And so there is a term cultural misappropriation. Um, A lot of that has happened here in the U.S., particularly around yoga. But at the end of the day, yoga does have a lot of really powerful benefits, both to the body, to the mind, and to the spirit. And yes, yoga might be intimidating for folks. And that's, you know, in those cases, I encourage you to find a teacher, and there's a lot of things online now, find a teacher that resonates with you. And for me, it's often people that look like me, because when I have a white woman yoga teacher, and I've had many, and there are many that I love, right? I love everybody, and you know, but when they tell me something, I know that they don't understand my experience. Like, they're like, oh, it's just, just breathe. You'll be fine. And it's like, no, you don't understand. You don't understand what I just went through yesterday, right? Or even, you know, we, you mentioned Tyree Nichols and just the trauma that we're starting this month with, right? But when a white woman yoga teacher just tells me it's fine, just breathe, don't worry about it. I'm like, you don't understand the inner turmoil and pain that I'm experiencing. And so when a black woman teaches me yoga, I'm like, you get it. I am listening to you. Um, And the other thing that I want to comment on is that you don't need to go to like a full hour long yoga class. Something as simple as finding a 10 minute, 20 minute Something online can be a very easy dip your toe in it. And one of the things that I teach in my workshops uh, with companies is desk yoga. What do I mean? I mean that sitting at your desk in those five minutes when somebody says, oh, we're going to end early. I'm going to give you your time back. That is my favorite phrase. I'm going to give you some time back instead of going straight to my inbox. Those are the moments when I just do some stretching, just stretch your body in any way that might feel good. And that, too, is yoga. Oh, it is. It really is. I love that. I love that. Give you some time back and what to do with that. Oh, that's great. And I love and and isn't that amazing what that does, even if it's just a couple minutes. um, It's okay. I'm going to give you Mm -hmm. this time back. And because we ended early, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna use that. <laughs> yeah, yes. I bet you people are gonna be like, oh, wow, thank you, thank you. Also, uh, this has been so, so incredible and, and so timely for you to, you mm. know, to embark on this work and, and bring together all of the, you know, your experiences. But one of the things um, that your book features is over 30 practical techniques when facing, you know, systemic challenges around racism and trauma. What, what would you um, encourage people, maybe the top three things for people, to, you know, for them to take action, to think about creating a very basic fundamental ritual um, to begin to, 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 to treat themselves in a way of self-care and healing? Mm, yeah. Well, I, I mean, if, if you leave with nothing else, it's attention to how you're feeling, right? Like, take a moment every day to ask yourself how you're feeling. Um, we talked a little bit about morning and evening routines, But one thing that I do want to share, a practice I want to share, is when you are having a really rough moment, right? And maybe that might be because of something that happened to you personally, or maybe you witnessed something on the news. 
right? And in those moments when you're feeling really bad, there is a practice that I share that's called RAIN. RAIN is an acronym. R stands for recognize. Recognize how you're feeling. That's that check-in, right? And name the emotion. There is something so powerful around naming the emotion. I am experiencing anger. I am experiencing sadness. And just by naming it, there is a separation because you are not the anger. You are not the sadness. That is a temporary state of being. So R is recognized. A is allow. Allow that feeling to be there. I don't know about the household that you grew up in, but where I grew up in my house, if I had any feelings, it was like, sweep it under the rug, keep it moving. You got to go to school. We got to go to work. Ain't nobody got time for that. But the thing is that if you suppress these emotions, over time, they snowball into something that could land you at, for example, my burnout moment. Or you snap at somebody and you yell at somebody that didn't even do anything wrong, but that's just the, you know, weeks of the buildup of something that had nothing to do with them. So A, allow that feeling to be there. The I in RAIN is for investigate. We talked earlier about the body. Investigate where am I feeling this in the body? Is it in my chest? Is it in my belly, right? Something powerful about identifying that spot. And the end in rain is for nurture. Nurture yourself. It could be as simple as taking a hand, placing it on your heart, and taking a deep breath. But it could also be calling a friend that you know just really gives you that comfort feeling. Or maybe you need a hug. Or maybe you need alone time, right? What is it? We are all different. And in every moment, we're needing different things. And so the end in rain is for nurture. And I invite everyone, when you are having a tough moment, to practice rain. Um, yeah, other things from the book that I'd say, breathing, right? There are breathing practices for every situation and challenge. And I will share just one, the simplest breathing practice that there is, which is the belly breath. Especially as black people in America, but all people, we get triggered. When I'm at work and a colleague says to me, um, you know, like I'm new at a job and a colleague says, hey, are you the new diversity hire? Or when somebody, I get like a performance review that says that I'm aggressive when my yeah. colleagues get the compliments of our, you know, you know, assertive, right? I get triggered. And in those moments, the belly breath can be very helpful to calm your nervous system so you respond from a more rational place that thinks about the consequences of your tone and your words. A belly breath is as simple as inhaling and expanding your belly like a balloon, really big and exaggerated. And then exhaling and allowing your belly to come towards your spine. And just doing that a couple times, inhaling, belly gets big. Exhaling, belly comes towards your spine. And you see that? counterintuitive because we are oh, that's good. To suck it in <laughs> look skinny right but that's actually oh, yes. our nervous system no yeah. that felt good actually through my spine <laughs> that was that is so good oh my goodness i mean so basically you know people We've got this book. I mean, I know it's Black People Breathe, but it's really there for everyone. Because if you think about at some point or some time, everyone has had some level of drama, a, a drama, trauma in their lives. And, you know, I will tell you, Z, you made me in this moment to think about my own reign. You know, um, mm. in terms of, you know, recognizing, you know, a loss that I that I just had and I was trying not to feel so sad, but, you know, mm. I lost a cousin and it's OK to mm. feel sad ag yet again, even though, um, yeah. you know, I'm controlling um, how I feel. It's still, you know, and, you know, it's leading me, leading me to like investigate why uh, I do have the tension in my body. I do have the stress because I was trying to figure out why. And of course, that's why, you know, I, I lost mm. a cousin that's fairly young. 
and you know and then yeah. like you said self-interest but nurture yourself with these friends um being able to be to be intentional i know with people that i want to be in my life today at this age i have to i have to be intentional we have to do intentional activities mm. to make sure we stay connected or we will do what everybody does is grow apart so what yes. tremendous tremendous insights that you have provided what what a joy what a gift you are uh, to us uh, to bring such a work, a body of work uh, from your experiences that you could have kept <laughs> yourself. Instead, um, you know, you're, you're showering it and pouring out um, this energy for all of us to learn. And definitely it's something that we need to promote here, um, not just on the inclusive voice, but diversity via media, because these are very real techniques that are needed in the workplace and in the communities um, today. Mm. I mean, you know, I'll just say this with, you know, the courageous conversations. Imagine with all the courageous conversations that companies are having and saying be open with openness and expression and authentic. What if they actually had tools that people could align with their ability mm -hmm. to be authentic in the workplace. I mean, the physical tools, yeah. tools like this to be able to manage those feelings and emotional agility as they're expressing them and to to build upon that. I mean, I think that's what your work needs to be aligned to <laughs> with this yeah. major yeah. activity that's happening, right? With this activity and stuff that companies are doing, but they're leaving people with the ability to have talked about all this stuff and then the now what? <laughs> right? Yes, and you know, one thing that I wanna comment on is that, you know, microaggressions happen and I know that a lot of allies, that they are not intentional, but I'll say that sometimes when we treat others badly, it's coming from a place inside a problem that we have inside. And so these breathing practices, if you prioritize your own self-care, you are going to treat others better, right? And for people of color, if you prioritize your own self-care, when stuff happens to you, you'll be able to recover better, right? And so at wow. the end of the day, my primary message is take care of yourself, everybody. Today I choose me. I love it. And I choose you. Thank you so much for joining us in the inclusive voice. Z Clark, author of Black People Breathe. We just love you now. You're, you're, you're our new Shiro. And we appreciate you giving us this time. So, so with Great that, we're going to take. Today. Awesome. And we'll take a commercial break and we'll look forward to seeing you all next week. From an industry-leading journal and web publication highlighting professionals and best practices to boot camps and conferences featuring noted and accomplished speakers, Diversity MBA is a driving force in diversity, equity, and inclusion education. But Diversity MBA's education push extends beyond the public realm and into the private sector. Thanks to DMBA, enterprises embarking on their DEI journey have access to training webinars, leadership indexes, and more, all of which can help educate and transform a workforce. Embrace DEI. Diversity MBA can help. Visit www.diversitymbamagazine.com for more information.